You know, oftentimes I get up here Sunday mornings and I feel like after our worship and people share that I, I don't want to mess up everything. It's going so well. And uh, we are truly um, surrounded by gifted people that God has just been so gracious to let us be a part of. And if you, uh, we're talking about the gifts that God has for us here um, and using those. It, if you are around our church much, you see how many people God's using. And I'm just blown away by how often we find out things about people and their uniqueness and, and things we haven't even seen or heard from in them. And yet we continue to see them grow and, and to use those. So we are so thankful. Um, and, and it's just a blessing to get to be a part of, of watching our body here grow and seeing the things God's doing. Uh, we are so thankful for that. Um, we are, started a, a series on Jonah last week, and it's something that we've probably all heard several times when we're on the church much, Jonah and the whale. And we talked last week about how the whale got equal billing, even though he's just a few uh, verses in there, and, and how unique it was. And, and it's a lesson for all of us. And we know there's a story about Jonah not listening. But there's much more to that, and, and the interesting thing about Jonah as one of the minor prophets is that, as I shared last week, is that, you know, when you prepare something like a message in a series, you do your homework, and you study the scriptures, and you try to see what God's going to lead you to, and then you read commentaries and see what other people say, and then you listen to other people who preach. But it's interesting how many people that, that preach or, or have comments on Jonah, how many things that we don't know about the whole story of Jonah. We just know a little bit from Jonah, there's a couple verses uh, before this, and then we get to the book of Jonah, and it even ends rather abruptly. And so Jonah's life is kind of unique in, in the sense that God wants to show us something, but he doesn't give us all of the pieces of understanding. And so we started asking the question, and we, we asked, you know, how many of you have fears? And again, how many of you are afraid of something? We, we asked people to share their fears, and we, we read some of those out loud, and, and some of them are very normal. People have fears of things like snakes and, and speaking on stage, like Holly said, she was very nervous this morning, even though you couldn't tell it. Um, and, and we all have those different fears. We also said, how many of you have things that you're ever rebellious? Don't put your hand up on this one. Um, but how many of you have places where you've ever been rebellious to God? And, and all of us kind of would go, yeah, okay, yeah, we do. Well, we don't really know why it was that Jonah ran. We don't understand why he didn't follow what God asked him to do. Maybe he was afraid, and we looked at the city of Nineveh, the greatest city of that time, and the Ninevites were incredibly brutal people. And everyone in the known world that, in that day knew how brutal they were. And so for a prophet to say, wait, you want me to go talk to them? They're, they're heathens. They have nothing and want nothing to do with God. And so here you, and, and, and simply Jonah could have said, you mean you want me to go to them? Like they're going to massacre me. They're going to slaughter me. It could have been fear. The other part of it could have been that Jonah in his rebellion said, hey, I've already done my duty in the past. I did what you wanted me to do, so now I get a free pass, and I really don't want to go do that right now in my life. And so Jonah, instead of going the direction God wanted him to, to Nineveh, he turns around and he runs the opposite direction. And in this story, as we watched it, that, that we know that what happens is Jonah runs and he's on a ship going to Tarshish, and suddenly the storm comes up and these things are asked the question. People are saying it's because someone's angered God and they draw straws and they, you know, they ask the question, they say, you know, who is it? And it comes up as Jonah. And he admits that he's running from God. And first the men all say, hey, we'll kind of roll harder to shore so we don't have to throw him overboard. That doesn't work. And the storm just keeps getting stronger and stronger. And then finally, they kind of turn and say, hey, God, don't hold us accountable for this, but we're going to toss this guy. And so they toss Jonah over the side. And in verse, or chapter 1 ends up with this. In verse 17, it says, And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Now, we know that story, right? He sit there, and we know at the end of today, we'll see the fish spit Jonah back up. There's a lot that goes on in the fish's stomach that we don't always understand or talk a lot about. 
And we want to look at that. And, and as a matter of fact, this morning, we're going to add one more reason why possibly that Jonah was, was swallowed up and why he ran from God. It's a reason oftentimes we don't think that. And it's because he may have thought that it just doesn't matter. God's really not that concerned about the Ninevites. God's not really that concerned about what I do. He called me earlier. I did what he said, but now it's not a big deal. And for us today, oftentimes we can be just as, as the same as Jonah. We can say, hey, you know what? Sometimes I'm just afraid of doing something God asked me to do. I don't want to go talk to my neighbor. I don't want to go and do that thing that somebody's at. God, you're asking me to do a church. God, I don't want to follow that rock with that person in my family that you challenged me to. God, I don't want to give up that thing or follow that road that you have for me because I don't know where it's going to end up. And we will use fear in our lives oftentimes and say to God, you know I'm afraid and therefore it's all good. Because, God, you get me. But God's will doesn't change in the midst of that. God knows our fears before he even asks us to do it. And I want you to, to grasp onto that. God knows your fears before he even asks you to do something. But because he asks you to do it and because you're afraid, it doesn't mean that God's will changes for you. You can't say, hey, God, but can we make a deal? Hey, God, and that's the problem that Jonah was doing, was Jonah was constantly trying to make a deal with God. Now, the other thing about disobedience, if in fact... Jonah just was in a rebellious point in his life, and he said, I'm going to do what I want to do. It's the same thing. Oftentimes, we get our place, ourselves in that place where we become rebellious. We say, you know what? I've done what God wanted me to do in the past. I'm going to start to do it my own way. And this isn't just Jonah being someone who isn't focused on God. Jonah was a prophet. God had used Jonah before to do things, but Jonah at this point in his life possibly just said, God, I'm going to do it my way. But because Jonah chose to do that, and because Jonah said, well, I'm just going to, you know, it won't matter to God, it, doesn't change God's will for Jonah. And for the third thing, if we believe that it doesn't really matter, that, you know, hey, God's going to understand, he gets it, he's a nice God, it's all good, you know, I can kind of sit and do that, and here's the excuse we do it, sometimes the thing God calls us to do, we say it doesn't matter, the excuse we use is, hey, other Christians around me aren't doing it, so therefore, I don't have to. As a matter of fact, we have holy clubs in the church, that we all agree is if we're not serving, hey, it's okay, no big deal, because we're all not doing it. It's okay if we gossip because we're all doing it, and so therefore it must be, we're not really gossiping, we're sharing prayer requests. Or we're not, and you ever notice how we kind of excuse these things sometimes, even in the church, and we say, hey, it's really not a big deal if we're not reaching our community because we all like our church, and it's great, and it's wonderful. And we all go, so it's okay with God, Right? Well, the point is, is that just because we agree to it doesn't mean that it changes God's will. God's word is consistent in his call to us. And so whatever reason it was that Jonah ended up where he ended up, it's because we understand is that we oftentimes use those same things in our life. And God will deal with us and God will help us understand, and it may not be a whale in our life, it may not be a great fish in our life, but God still, in your life, and what he calls us to, his will does not change. God still calls us to those things, and God is always calling us back to those things because of his desire to bless us and to use us. And we need to come to grips with that understanding that even though I'm afraid, even though I don't get it, that God will call us to something we fear, to something that we don't want to do because we don't understand it. But I want to use what? I want to use that thing to bless you. But I also don't, don't really want to end it there. I want to use it to bless someone else. But like we said last week also, that if we refuse, if we rebel, if out of fear we don't do those things, Oftentimes, those points who run from God, it not only hurts us, but it hurts others around us. It hurts those who are closest to us. 
Just like Jonah on the ship didn't just affect him. God just didn't have a storm in that place. It affected every man and woman on that ship. And God wanted Jonah to understand the impact he was having because God had already used Jonah to impact the lives of others. And God wanted to show him right around him the things that he did would affect others. It's a place that we don't function in fear, that, that we say, wow, I'm going I'm to kind of live this my own way, do my own thing because I'm afraid. I'm afraid of changing because people may not like me. So if I let go of my being direct, if I let go of my being, you know, aggressive, if I let go of, of being, you know, hard, if I let go of being, the, if I let go of that, then, then I may become weak and people will, you know, it won't be good and people won't like me the way I am. And but when God says, hey, be kind, when God says be filled with the Spirit, when God, well, that means that we've got to begin to trust him and say, wow, but you know what? If we stay hard, if we stay difficult, if we stay determined, if we stay angry, if we stay bitter, it doesn't only affect us, it affects everybody else around us. And we see over and over again where those things in our life affect others. And I shared last week how it's very difficult as a dad and a husband to admit, Liz, let's hear this, admit it, but um, it's hard to admit that what I've done in my life affects everybody. It's hard to admit that in my, my struggles, the places where I've not followed God, it affects my family, my, my spouse. It affects those around me every day who are my friends and those who live every day with me. It affects those in our, in our life all around, but we don't like to see that. And yet God wants us to understand the impact of those things that we do. So in this journey, as Jonah's there, he's, he's in the, the belly of the whale. And he's having to face all the things that have gone on, and he knows exactly why he's there. But he shoots up this prayer to God. He shoots up this prayer to God. This whole uh, chapter 2 is about him shooting this prayer up to God as he's sitting there in the belly of the whale, stuck there. And this whale is taking him to the depths. Now, how many of you have ever prayed your urgent prayer to God in the belly of your own whale? What I mean is, I should have studied more. I should have done that. I should have given up that. I should have, should have, should have. Now, I remember back when I was a kid, and I don't know if my mom remembers this or not. Maybe I bring back bad memories. Um, I'm not sure if I get punished appropriately completely for this one. But um, I had this thing that I loved when I was a kid, building model airplanes and, and cars, you know, little plastic cars. They don't have them very much today, but... Back when we were kids, everybody would do model cars, and you'd buy them in a box, and you'd take it home, and you'd you know, have this glue you'd put on, and you would put all the pieces together, and then you'd paint it, and you'd put the decals on, and you could show everybody this beautiful model car that you'd build, or model airplane, or, or ship. I remember my dad was uh, in World War II, and he was on the USS Enterprise, and he brought me home this huge box one time, and it had the Enterprise in it. But my, my, my trophy that I loved was my B-17 that I had a plane that I'd gotten a hold of. And uh, I was thinking how awesome it was, and so I took careful, it's called a flying fortress, and, and I took time to paint it just right, and I wanted to make sure it looked great, and it was a huge plane, not like this, well, probably this big, when I was a kid, it was that big, and uh, this plane, and I just put all the things right, and I wanted to make sure I got the right decals on it, and when I got all done with it, I showed my friends, and we hung it up in my room, and was like, that was my trophy model, and I thought, man, now I have succeeded in life, I've achieved what I've been called to do. Well, you know, you ever have those moments where you, you have those great achievements, but something comes over you? And as I'm doing it, I don't know if it was a movie I watched, what it was, it happened. But I got this brilliant idea. I'm laying there. I, I got up, and I pulled down my B-17, my flying fortress, and I thought, man, I got this great idea. So I went downstairs, and I knew my dad and mom smoked at that time, and I knew where my dad kept the lighter fluid. And so I took the lighter fluid upstairs, and I found some matches. And I decided it would be a great thing to fill my B-17 with lighter fluid. And so I poured a little bit of lighter fluid, a lot more lighter fluid. It probably had enough in it to fly across the Atlantic, and a little bit more in this thing. 
And I took my B-17 and I put it on the side of my window and I opened up the screen and I lit my B-17 on fire and I threw it out the window. Movies, okay. Awesome. Let me tell you, man, that thing was going down in flames or smoke behind it. It was going down just like in the movies, okay? And then it hits the deck in our backyard, crashes every parts of flames. It was awesome until I realized that there was a problem I had. It was on our wooden deck in the backyard. So I quickly run downstairs, panicking, and I try to put it out, and I grab the hose with one hand, and my foot and another trying to stomp it out, and if you were to put water on lighter fluid, it spreads it, and um, you're trying to stomp lighter fluid, it gets on your foot, and so I am just go panicking, and finally, I get this thing out, and I'm like, oh, this is great, I saved it, saved, I'm not going to die. So I start picking up the pieces of the B-17, and my B-17 is scattered, it's melted down, it's everywhere, and then as I pick it up, I look, and there is little scorch marks, okay, not such little scorch marks, on my back porch, and I'm like, oh no, our wooden deck is, is torched. I mean, it's got places lower. I am going to die. As soon as my dad sees this, and I was thinking, thank you, Jesus, he's not, I didn't say thank you, Jesus, at the time I said, thank you, God, that he is not home right now, he's on a trip, and I can try to figure out something to do. Well, I tried to figure everything I could, but I realized I am dead. It's over with. Life as I ever experienced, my dad is going to absolutely kill me. And sure enough, for that next 24 hours or 36 hours until my dad got home, I was living in the depths of misery. I was imagining all the things that he was going to do to me to get back to me. And I'm going to have to sand it down, rebuild it. I'm going to be in over again. I'm never going to be able to go out again, never going to be able to have a model again. I'm not going to be able to breathe again. I'm going to be in my room, in the corner, in the closet, dead. Now, I got restriction and I got the lecture and the whole thing happened. But have you ever been in that place in your life before? Where you do something, you go, what have I done? Why have I done? What's going on? What was I thinking? Because now the consequences of what sounded so great comes up. It can be something like that. It can be about, and I, I just talked to a guy the other day, and he said to me, hey, you know what? I broke up with my girlfriend. It was the stupidest thing I ever did. He goes, because now I realize that I really do like her, and now she doesn't want to come back to me. And I'm going, hey, man, you know, that's the choice. We all make choices sometimes, don't we? We also do that with God where God is speaking to us and we're following him and doing things. And here is Jonah who was probably cruising with God. He'd been successful in the past. And all of a sudden, God says, hey, Jonah, I want you to go do this. And we don't know exactly why Jonah ran. We've heard all kinds of stories. and There's all the theories of why. But we do know that Jonah went the exact opposite direction that God had for him. And so here is Jonah sitting in the belly of the whale going, you know what? I am so dead. It's over with. I deserve what I'm going to get because I made a bad choice. But isn't it crazy that it takes us ending up in the belly of a whale before we understand how our choices are going to affect us? Now, sometimes it's just ignorance on our part. Sometimes we don't understand the consequences. All that God wants for us to do, we go, wow, I didn't really understand the consequences or I didn't really think the consequences applied to me. But as we pick up this passage, here is Jonah. And Jonah starts his prayer out, and listen to what he says. And I think about this because all of us have belly of the whale moments in our life. And I want you to, to think about it. You may be going through one now where you're just fearful of doing something God wants you to do. It may be that you are in a place where you're looking and you're rebelling at God, and no one in this room knows what's going on, but you do, and God is speaking to you, and he's saying, hey, I want you to deal with this, and you're dealing with the consequences of some of those places. Or maybe you're just simply been coasting with God, saying you don't think it matters, and now God is kind of saying, whoa, wait a minute, look what you missed out on. I'm speaking to you. You see, the belly of the will moments aren't simply the places we recognize it. The belly of the will moments are the consequences of those decisions that we make not to follow God. 
And God says to you and I, I will bring consequences in your life when you refuse to listen to me, not because I want to force you into submission. What God says is because I want you to understand the depths of what I'm telling you about how important I, that this thing is I'm calling you to because, because in grasp on because I love you, because I've got great things that I want to use you for. But we don't understand that. We think that when God begins to squeeze us, that it's because we've been rebellious and God wants to punish us. No, if you look at Jonah, God, he has been rebellious. God's intention what God does, but God doesn't want to squeeze him. And punish. God says, let me get your attention. God's intent is not to punish, but God's intent is to guide and direct us in that truth so we grasp onto that and to understand that it's because he loves us. We're the ones that have the problem, not God. Isn't it interesting that for a lot of people, you hear something like this, they never ever want to talk about God, don't want to hear about God, nothing about God, talk about God, they shut you down, but as soon as something happens, they go, man, God failed me. You know people like that? Isn't it interesting when it comes to our failures, we bring God in, but when it comes to our successes, it's about us. But the reality is in this place is that God wants Jonah to understand that, hey, Jonah, you have not been listening to what I'm calling you to do because I've got something greater for you. What I had for you in the past and how I used you, you blessed my people in the past as a prophet. But he says, I've got something more for you. I want you to go to the Ninevites, the worst, most unlikely people on the face of the earth to turn to me. I don't want you to bring them to salvation. Does that sound crazy? That sounds crazy to us here today, but you know what? Those Ninevites are the people who live across the street from you. The Ninevites are that guy at your job. The Ninevites are that family person. You go, whoa, wait a minute. They're the least likely candidate to know Jesus. And so we rebel and say, no, God, whoa, wait a minute. You're not calling me. You can't be calling me. And so we run from God when it comes to those things. So we can say, man, Jonah, you blew it. Man, you, you, what are, you know what? Why don't you please? And we use, but how often do we not get it? But God's calling us in those same ways, and we use all the excuses that Jonah could have used to avoid doing what he wants in our lives. And so God says, hey, let me get your attention. For Jonah was a fish in the belly of the whale. Listen to chapter 2, verse 2. Excuse me, verse 1. He says, then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from the belly of the fish. What a great place to pray, huh? Saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All of your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall look again look upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over me to take my life, and the deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around my head at the roots of the mountain. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. See what you get, Jonah, when you don't listen? You should listen to God. You're getting what you deserve. Jonah even kind of had that attitude towards the Ninevites. They're getting what they deserve. So often we look at others and say, well, what's wrong with them? But how often do we not hear the voice of God in our own life? We need to ask the question from Jonah, God, what is it you're speaking to me? Why in my life can I begin to be more prepared for what you have for me, the places you want to deal with me, God? When I rebelled, I thought I had enough. Or when God allowed this, that God said to disintegrate, I began to think it's because he didn't care anymore. But the truth is, is that God said, I allow those things to disintegrate because I want you to hear my voice. And it's unfortunate the depths of that place with God is the only place that we hear God because we're desperate. But what's awesome is God is there at the blessings as well as he is in the depths of the belly of a whale. So whatever we face, we see God's grace over and over again in this. That God is not desirous to condemn us. God is not desirous to put you down, to blast you, to shred you, to tear you apart. 
that God is there wanting to say, I have a plan for your life. I have something I want for you. I have something better than what you've already got. I don't want you to miss out on it because I love you. It says as the passage goes on, I want to break it down. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish. In the midst of the pain, in the midst of that place, wherever Jonah was at, after being thrown overboard, thinking he deserved it. And sometimes we can feel sorry for ourselves. Man, I deserve this. I'm going to get whatever I deserve. Well, that's not always really meaning I'm going to get what I deserve. Sometimes it just means I surrender. And Jonah probably was at that point saying, I surrender. Then it goes on and said, Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish. And he wanted to understand that it's there that he goes on. He says, I called out to the Lord out of my distress. He cried out to God out of his greatest emotion. Distress is one of our greatest emotions. That we have in this word, as you look at the original there, it's a word that talks very much about the depths of our soul, that we have pain and struggle, the depths of our soul. And here is Jonah in the depths of his soul, panicking, saying, God, what have I done? Bail me out. Get me out of here. But you see, Jonah knew where to turn, and that's oftentimes our place, as we see that, that we want to avoid it. It's just much God would want it to for Jonah, but he says, hey, I'm in that deep place. And Jonah cries out to his, his God. But be careful what you pray at these moments. Be careful what you pray, because I know people, and, and probably you've done this before. Like I said, how many of you prayed a belly of the well prayer before? Man, I got myself here. I got it now. God, I get it. Just get me out of here, please, you know. You know, beat me up, Scotty. Kind of like, get me out. Take me out of this place. And yet God isn't done with him. God's not done. He says, I will do anything to get me out of this. Well, be careful what you pray at those moments, because I know people who are in full-time ministry that said, God, I'll do anything. I'll serve you. And then suddenly God says, okay, you finally heard me. There's other people that go, oh, wait a minute. Now I've got to evaluate if God's calling me to do. God, I'll be nice to them the rest of my life. I will be nice to my sister the rest of my life. Okay, that's a really hard prayer for me. Uh, but, you know, it's where it is. But we do that with God sometimes, don't we? I will do anything. I will behave. I will start. But we don't really mean it. And God knows that. So just remember those belly of the well moments. If you don't mean it, God will take us deeper because you look at this past gone. It's God is taking him to the depths of the sea. Jonah's life is almost gone. And it says his greatest emotion was to the depths of where he was because finally Jonah was listening to what God said. And the consequences of understanding of what Jonah was, he's saying, you know what? I don't know how it's going to be happening. I don't know if my life is going to be taken because I refuse. I don't know. But God, I'm understanding that you and you alone can lead me at this moment. That God and God alone can bail me out of this thing. Difficult prayer, isn't it? It's a difficult place, but oftentimes in our lives, we can come to that place and we go, wow. And then what's so interesting about it is that later on, and we'll see this with Jonah, while God gets him out of the whale, is that Jonah goes to Nineveh and preaches, but he still condemns the Ninevites for their disrespect of God. Isn't that interesting? that he misses part of what God's point is. What it means is that Jonah is human, and so are we. And one of the great things about the grace of God is that God does not give us what we deserve. That's one of the greatest things about the grace of God. One of the greatest things about the grace of God is we do not get what we deserve. That God continues to love us and believe in us and see this, but God wants us to continue to grow and be challenged because he wants us to understand again the depths of his love and how he wants to use us and change us. But it's unfortunate to God. It's at those places in the belly of the whale and our belly whale experiences that we finally surrender to God and say, God, I hear you. That you do care about what I'm afraid of. 
God, you do care about what I'm avoiding. You do care about what I'm rebelling about. And God doesn't take us to those places because he wants to destroy us or break us. He takes us to those places because he wants us to understand and submit to that will that he has and we begin to see it because of something greater for us. And in God's unrelenting grace, he heard Jonah. Look at what he says. He says, and he answered me. And he answered me. In the belly of the whale, Jonah knows there's an answer coming. And he talks about it. He says, out of the belly of Sheol, and Sheol is the depths of the earth. It's a place that people believe there's different versions of what it's all about. But Sheol is the depths of the earth, the deepest places. And it says, I cried. I cried out to you, God. I shouted in a loud voice. God, I'm here in the belly of a whale. And imagine for a minute, here's Jonah. It's going to explain it here in a minute. But here's Jonah sitting in, in the secretion of the whale. And inside his stomach is acid that is going to, is going to um, take apart, enable him to digest the food the whale's taking in. And part of that secretion is working on Jonah as he sits on the stomach of the whale. There's other fish in there that are also partially decayed, and they've been sitting there for a while decaying. It probably did not smell very good. It didn't feel very good. Most of that is pretty gross. And we also know there's seaweed and the things in there. But in the midst of that, in the depths of that, he says that he cried out, and he says that he heard his voice. For you cast me into the deep. For God, you cast me in the deep. See, Jonah admits that, God, I get this. You put me in this position so that I would hear you. Into the heart of the seas and the flood that surrounded me, the heart of the seas is the deepest part, the furthest away from land. And all your waves and your billows passed over me. See, what Jonah does is he admits to God, hey, God, I know this is what you're doing in my life, and I recognize your authority in this. Recognizing God's authority is oftentimes tough for us because we think that it doesn't apply to us or doesn't matter to us. But Jonah goes on and he drives it and he says this. He says, and I said, I am driven away from your sight. I'm driven to the depths. I'm driven away. And in human sight, he'd say, you know what? I'm driven away from the furthest. You see, part of what Jonah is recognizing is that he's taken as far from heaven and his thinking as he possibly could be. You see, the heavens were above and Sheol was below. And this great fish was taking him to the depths of the sea. As deep as it possibly could in the mindset of a man in that day or even in our time. And Jonah said, not only did you just take my life, but you've drugged me all the way to the bottom. We have because of choice of that in our life. So when things begin to fall apart or things begin to become shattered because of choices that we make or choices that we refuse to hear God, we feel like that's where we're at, that we're the furthest from God that we can be. And Jonah recognizes that, but in this, Jonah cries out to God. He says, I'm literally being driven away, pulled away, God, you're having me taken from as far, as far away from you as I can possibly be so that, so that Jonah will hear God clearly. But listen to this verse. It says, yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. I shall be in a place where I can look up to you, God, and I can know that we're right, God. I can look and I can worship you and I can worship the heavens around me and have the freedom you have for me, God, because I know that you hear my voice, God, and your grace that we're never away from God's love and his compassion. That God is crying out to us no matter where we go, and that God will free us from those difficult places. If you're in a dark place in your life, will you believe that it's because you refuse to obey God or believe God? If you're in that dark place and you know something is that God is crying out to us and God wants us to come to that place, we cry out to him, 
He's not driving us away to keep us away, but driving us away to recognize our great need for him. And here is Jonah recognizing that. He says, yet God, to the depths of that, I know that I'll look upon your holy temple. And the water's closing over me to take my life. His life was almost gone. The waters are pressing in. He was losing oxygen down there from the stomach of the whale, and all this was happening. And he said, the deep surrounded me, and weeds were wrapped around my head. Literally, seaweed was wrapped and fish around him. This position was in. At the roots of the mountains, the roots meaning the very depths of the roots, the deepest as the mountains could go, because they believed that the mountains in those days would spring out from the water, but the depths of that, at the very bottom of the sea, was where those mountains sprung up. And I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. It was as close to death as he could get. And yet Jonah, in his next verse, he sees it. He says, yet you, God, you brought me up from the life. You brought up my life from the pit, O Lord, my God. My life was fainting away. You, God, stepped in. You, God, recognized the importance of who I am to you and all that you have for me. And he goes, and I remember the Lord and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. From the depths, it's going to recognize that. I said, I remembered you, and my prayer came to you in your holy temple. Then no matter what we struggle with, God hears our prayers and understands the cry of our voice, our desire to come back to him. And this prayer came to God as where God resides. Where God resides. As you understand the power of prayer and what it meant, they said, let my prayer enter the holy of holies. God, let it in. You need to know no matter what we do in our lives, the places where you find the struggles with God or the places we're afraid, that God says, you know what? I will use that in your life to help you understand your need for me. And the greatest thing is that when we struggle in the deepest points of our life, it says literally we can cry out to God and God will allow our prayers to enter the holy of holies. Because he's waiting for us to know the great love that he wants to pour upon us to help us understand all that he has for us. That's what God's grace is. Even when we mess up or, or we get confused or we live in fear, God says, I'm waiting. I'm waiting. But I'm not just waiting. I'm bringing things into your life so you hear the truth of this. And what I want it to, to engage and, and be a part of your life so you can understand the depths of who I want you to be and the place I want you to grow in your character and the things I want to do with you. God says, I will take you to difficult places sometimes so you hear my voice, but I'll be there. And when you're ready, I'm waiting. But God's just waiting by and sitting by idly. God says our prayers will be able to enter into the kingdom of God, into the gates of heaven, the place where he's not condemning us, and that's how much God values our prayers to him. He's not condemning us and saying you have to perform, you have to be right, you have to do these things. What God says is repent, turn from your thinking and listen to me, and I will hear your voice. And then Jonah goes on. He says, those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love those who focus on the things in the world, steadfast idols, things of no value, things they're chasing after in the world, he says, they're forsaking their hope of steadfast love, that God's love goes on and on, for I will lift the voice of thanksgiving to sacrifice for you. Thanksgiving leads to sacrifice. We see to willing and actively, intentionally leave our grace out, God means that we begin to, in our thanksgiving, 
It means that we recognize that Thanksgiving brings sacrifices. God has sacrificed for us. And if, we're truly sacri- if we truly understand our Thanksgiving and all that God's done, it means that we live differently because we show the grace that God has given to us and we're constantly growing in that as it shapes who we are. You see, Thanksgiving shows that we realize the depths of our soul, that we've been forgiven, we've been blessed, that God believes in us. You see, what God does, he wants to shape us and build us and strengthen us and encourage struggle and we look and use us. And this whole story of Jonah is about this man who had this great struggle and we look at that story and we've heard it over and over again, but here's the best part of all of this. He said, what I have vowed, I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Salvation is owned by God. Salvation and salvation alone is in God. And no matter how much we try to do the things of the world and seek for the things of the world, no matter how popular we try to be, how good we try to be, how great we try to be, true salvation rests in God. The true victory, true greatness, true purpose rests in God. Because salvation and salvation alone rests in Him. And the result, the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. That's where we'll pick it up next week. That God heard Jonah's prayer, but God wasn't done with Jonah. He's not done with us. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for this word, for the truth of Jonah's prayer, God, and it's just an honest prayer just like it is for us. God, I don't know how many of us have had to pray honest prayers this week of, of God, get me out of this thing. God, I'm confused. God, I'm hurting. God, I feel alone. God, I don't want to do that thing. And yet, God, you continue to use and bless us, and we thank you for that. You continue to shape us uniquely, God. So take these words and let them grow in the depths of our heart. We thank you for that in your name. Amen. Before we close in prayer this morning, we want you to meet someone. Uh, briefly, you'll hear more from him in the next few weeks. But uh, Ryan, you're going the wrong way, buddy. Come this way. See, he was trying to escape, but you know what? It's, uh... This is Ryan. Hello. And, oh, uh, yeah, that was the worship boy. Sorry. Hello. Yeah, good. Um, Ryan is our uh, new with our staff. His role is helping do ministry development. Um, Ryan's first focus will be on our kids and families ministry. And so, Ryan, I want to welcome you this morning. Um, tell us just in 30 seconds your spiritual journey. Yeah, um, I was uh, raised in the church. Uh, my parents brought me to church. I had no option because I live under the roof. Um, but it was good um, for me. And I basically went on a lot of mission trips because that's what the church does. And I remember I went to Mexico and I was like wrestling with a lot of like bodily aches and pains and I was like God if this is you the healer the one that provides then if you heal me I'll give you the remaining balance of my life and in that time um, I gave myself to to Christ and got baptized when I was 16 uh, years old in Mexico in the ocean and you know I thought the heavens were gonna be parted and and that moment was gonna descend down and you know I didn't hear any of that but I did get healed and that was awesome and in that moment I knew that God called me into ministry awesome into ministry oh that's scary Um, (laughs) Some people want to hear that. We've been talking about guys following with that. Um, tell us a little bit, how did God lead you to ministry? Like, what was it that you felt 
specifically called by? Yeah, um, so at 18, I immediately went into college, and at the same time, I wanted to work because I had bills. And so my parents were like, okay, we're gonna try to show you how to be a good steward with your money and all of that, but you need to go get a job so you can tie to the church. So I was like, okay, I, I mean, I'll do it. So I went actually into the fitness business. I actually became an assistant manager at 18 years old, um, just running a, a nutritional supplemental store. And then I ended up working my way up from 19 uh, as, a, as a assistant manager to general manager. And I ended up getting recruited to a lot of fitness businesses. I was climbing the, the corporate ladder, going all the way to vice president and traveling all over from California, Washington and became a business consultant in Canada. And that's kind of where like God slowed me down. It was like, I want you to go on a missions trip and I want you to check it out. So I went to another country and uh, in that moment, God reminded me what he wanted to do, and he wanted me to finish uh, going to Bible school, which I am being obedient to. And, uh, and, and when I was at Biola, which were where I go, um, God opened my heart more and more to different opportunities that is able to complement my talents, and I'd be able to major there to the glory of God. Awesome. Thank you. And uh, you're at Biola University, your Christian ministries major there? And, yes. Uh, okay, great. Last thing, and uh, just so we got to, you know, don't run out of time this morning. You like to know Ryan more than weeks to come, and you'll see him. He's got a little bit of energy. And, um, but uh, Ryan, what, what brought you to Hope? Why you're looking for ministries? What brought you here? Yeah, I wanted Hope. Um, you know, just, this place is just phenomenal. I, I was raised in a Presbyterian church, and I don't know if you guys know the traditional backgrounds, but uh, it was uh, something that was kind of foreign to me. I, you know, I, I felt like Jonah, like kind of a foreign missionary. I was like, what is going on? Because, you know, I'm used to churches where you can wear jeans and a t-shirt. Um, and so that was like one of the biggest incentives on finding a church that doesn't support wearing suits only and, you know, dress. So I, I wanted that because I felt more free, you know, I felt like it was legalistic to force me to wear a tie. And um, so I was looking for churches that are more free, you know, the freedom and liberty. And, um, you know, Hope Church is actually one of the churches that I feel like you can be free and you can express who you really are and who God made you to be. Awesome. Thank you. Well, he's going to be the back doors yet out. You can get to know him this morning. And again, Ryan, thank you for being a part of us. We're looking forward to what God's going to do. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, guys. So you stand with us as we close off in worship this morning.